Welcome back to episode 93 of the Blockrunner podcast. Here is where we discuss the latest developments in cryptocurrency while we make this new technology relatable to you. You can watch this podcast on our YouTube channel to follow along with our discussion. As always, I'm your host, William, talking with your co-host, Iman, and today we bring you a very special guest, founder of NFTBank.ai, Daniel Kim. Here are some of the topics we discussed today. First up, we get an inside look at how NFT Bank will bring in more liquidity into non-fungible tokens. Next, what kind of data is needed to put a value on NFTs? Then, we talk about some of the issues plaguing NFTs. And finally, we get a hard look on putting a valuation on subjective NFTs. All right, let's listen in. All right, today we're bringing you Daniel Kim, a uh, part of NFTBank.ai. Thank you for being here, Daniel. Oh, thanks for having me. So yeah, we got a couple of questions for you. I think uh, the both of us are spending a lot of time in the NFT space. Um, mm-hmm. I guess sh- kind of take us through the the origin story of NFT Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so um, I myself uh, am a data geek. I'm a data scientist. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm starting digging in blockchain traces um, since back in late 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, I was at the Clayton of Kakao blockchain subsidiary. I analyzed the entire Ethereum blockchain. And by that time, I um, encountered the blooming activities of you know, NFT spaces. I was got really fascinated. That's why I tried to buy myself like I personally tried to buy uh, NFT, you know, NFTs by myself, but then it was really hard for me to figure out the right price for NFTs. So um, mm. I I went back and forth multiple websites from DevRadar to OpenSea to yeah. you know come up with right valuation. Yeah. But it was too hard. But yeah. then you know after after you know buying new NFTs. It was also difficult to manage them because often the NFT assets were scattered around my, you know, different wallets for um, each dev, each game. So I I was thinking that oh, we definitely need a tracking tool to manage my assets in one place. So yeah, that's the beginning of our project. I started um, NFT Bank as my personal project last year, and then my former colleagues from um, the, the Clayton uh, start joining my team. And then our team has grown to six people. Oh, wow. Um, mostly our team consists of block uh, data engineers and data scientists specialized in blockchain data, especially NFT data. So um, that's interesting because the, like you're saying, uh, there's a huge missing piece in the NFT space in in trying to gauge the actual value of a particular NFT. And I know that typically an NFT's value is based on what somebody's willing to pay for it. Um, mm. So what, what are you doing around, like how do you gauge the value of an NFT to give like a, a number to somebody of their portfolio? Like how do you know when it goes up or when it goes down? Oh, so we are not engaged in forecasting of NFT assets price. Okay. Forecasting is really hard. Like you cannot see the future. Yeah, for <laughs> but sure. Then we extract the historical pattern of how the price goes up and down, and then what factors act, uh, contribute to the you know the changes in price. 
So yeah, we 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 do data mining for that. Um, for NFT art, like crypto arts, it's really hard to value it because emotional or um, sentiment, sentimental, sentimental aspects really matter a lot to to valuing the crypto arts. But then uh, for NFT collectibles like CryptoKitty or X Infinity or MCH, they do have traits that um, that contribute a lot to the price. For example, rarity. And then for metaverse NFTs like DCL Lens or the, the Sandbox Lens, they um, the uh, agency really matter because uh, like even if your your NFT um, was never sold before. That's why there's no price tag for that. But then your neighbors do have the price tags. So we try to pull the information um, from your uh, agents, agent, um, you know, um, lens, and then we somehow figure out the right value for your specific NFT. Interesting. So uh, have you been able to sort of generate some, like not necessarily a projected value, but do you see NFTs increasing in value based on what what sort of metrics? Like, for example, like for land, is mm-hmm. it, do you see like a higher land value when there's content on that land? Like, are you able to distinguish like what, what would make this particular land more valuable than that particular land? Like how, how can you, how do you distinguish the two different values? Oh, that's that's a really good question. So for crypto voxels, um, on their website, they they present um, number number of visitors on your yeah. uh, voxel, right? So mm-hmm. we use that kind of metadata as well. So mm-hmm. for crypto voxel, uh, number of visitors definitely the, the traffic definitely contribute to the rise in the price. But then for DCL, even if there must be a stats for that, they do not publish uh, to the public. So we yeah. cannot use that in, that information into our model. Okay. But then for DCL, overall, the historical price of your neighboring lens really matter a lot. Besides, uh, not only the DCL, but most of most of the NFTs, um, like the ether price of at a certain point of time really also matter. So true. For, for example, if the Ethereum price really rises greatly, then people, um, you know, got hyped and that they, they um, sometimes overpriced the NFT asset and they paid, pay a lot, right? Yeah. So this kind of human factor and behavioral factors also really matter. When, and then we take all of these kind of information into account. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this is extremely interesting because this has so many like implications, like even broader than like what the NFT space is. Just data to, in, in general to me is fascinating. I'm I'm kind of interested in just kind of understanding like what what your day to day life is like as a data scientist or engineer. Like you guys, you know, you have like ten screens in front of you, just like nonstop like <laughs> matrix looking data just coming up and down, and you guys just can decipher that. Like how do how do you decipher all of this data? Do you create like algorithms, artificial intelligence? How does that work? Oh, that's a good question. So, um, in our team, we have we have six people, and we have um, you know specific like task job. I'm a like we have data engineer. He takes charge of the entire data pipeline and architecture. Mm-hmm. So he's his focus is more on integrating um, 
you know, the on-chain data and off-chain data from NFT marketplaces, and then um, also on-chain data from the dApps. And then I personally spend more time on analyzing the stuff and then try to figure out the general pattern where um, statistically important features out of the um, the the raw data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then we also have machine learning engineer who um, you know makes a machine learning model out of these features. And we experiment uh, lots of different models to try to figure out which one works best. And then mm-hmm. we sometimes uh, we, we do have a ensemble um, data like machine learning pipeline. So we do not use just single model, but then we use multiple mo- model at the same time. And then we try to aggregate all of the results into a single model to mm-hmm. boost the accuracy for them. Yeah. How do you get confirmation of, of like the success of everything that you're building as far as like as a model? Like, uh, what do you use uh, to gauge metrics. accuracy? Yeah, performance. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. We we do lots of back testing. So mm-hmm. let's say that we hold out certain data uh, set from, for example, July to December. We just hide this data set. We, we assume that we never seen this data at all. And that we train our machine learning model using the data before this certain time of you know, date. And then, uh, yeah. And then after uh, finish building the model, we try to predict the, 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 the time frame of the, whole, the, the, the hidden the data points. Mm-hmm. And then we try to see how accurately we predict the price. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, since there are also lot, uh, there are lots of outliers due yeah. to wash trading, we try to first figure out the wash trading, um, the outliers, and then we filter them out so that our model, uh, our models are not fucked up yeah. by yeah. Yeah, outliers. So, so, is is wash trading like just super obvious to you? Like you could just tell right away. Um, oh yeah, it's not not really super obvious, but then we can get rid of them um, most of the time because there are certain traits that the wash trading often reflect. For example, uh, you just have new wallet address, and then you just sell um, certain NFT NFT. Uh, uh, you you sell your NFT to uh, certain new new wallet for very expensively. Yep. And then we, we figure out how um, certain or how believable <laughs> this event can be uh, mm-hmm. by the probability. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then we, we make, we, we sometimes, you know, hand pick, we hand select the, um, um, the, the wash trading cases by ourselves. And then we, we make a training data set and then we try to predict how accurately we can predict whether this is wash trading event or not. Yeah, that makes um, sense. I mean, you could essentially go back and, and find the source of money for funding the two different wallets exactly. doing the trading. And if that exactly. source of the money is the same, then right there, you can just throw away that information. Yeah, but then, you know, you know, people got really smart on, you know, wash trading. They, they do lots of different, they try lots of different tactics to avoid, you know, being caught. Um, yeah, we, but then, you know, our model also evolves yeah. <laughs> to, you know, to account for that yeah yeah, to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's awesome 
Yeah, it's, it's crazy to just to think about where this can go. So right now it's just figuring out like how the kind of like the behavior of the market, right? Like that's to like the phase that you're at is is analyzing all the data and then structuring the, I don't know, maybe like the psychology of it, but like in data form, right? So that you can actually build tools yeah. on top of that. Mm-hmm. So that, so I guess that yeah, let's jump into more of like the tool aspect of what NOT Bank um, provides to their members. Um, like, I guess like on a basic level, like who should be using, like who should go to nftbank.ai and like, what should we be doing there? You know? Um, um, of course, every NFT collector should use NFT Bank AI. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, because once you buy an NFT, for example, for to play a uh, crypto game, but you cannot consider NFTs separately from financial assets. Because, you know, you, you, so you pay the upfront cost for um, acquiring NFT assets, but then once you buy one, you constantly have to think about oh, what the worth of the what's the worth of these NFT assets? Because you know people usually now considering NFTs as their you know financial assets, um, they definitely have to look at the value or look at how you know the community of which the NFT assets are on. You have to always pay attention to that, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, not only that, but also you can find new opportunities from our Explorer page, and then you can easily manage your multiple wallets. Um, um, yeah, and then also we will also release uh, lots of interesting financial products based on NFTs. For example, uh, NFT insurance. So people have hard like hard time getting into NFT space because they have to pay upfront and then they are afraid of being the last person to uh, hold this asset because yeah. yeah, there, yeah. there will not be a you know a next person to buy my uh, nfts if i want to uh, sell yeah. later on so there is a liquidity problem but then if we can somehow um uh, like maintain the value of asset your nft assets then people can uh, be more um, like they are um, more willing to get involved. Mm-hmm. So definitely the insurance system would, would make sense. Besides um, the NFT collateralized loans also make sense. So yeah, we will host all kinds of financial products later on in our platform so that um, people can like NFT collectors can leverage their uh, NFT holdings. Can you explain a little bit about an NFT collateralized loan? What would, like, let's say you have an NFT and it's collateralized and it's in that collateral is embodied in this NFT. How do you, what, what exactly is collateralized? Is it just additional crypto and it's locked into this, uh, this representation of an NFT? Mm -hmm. Oh, so our first version would be very simple. It's just P2P version. Uh, So, on our NFT bank, um, there is a tab called inventory. It's not open yet. It's upcoming feature. But, you know, on our inventory page, you have you can see all of your NFT holdings. Okay. And then if you want to um, make a loan against your NFT, you can just click borrow. Oh, I <laughs> see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then that's it. We will find uh, people to fund you 
fund your uh, NFTs. You can borrow money from them. So basically, the world, so so what yeah. you're doing essentially is you're collateralizing your portfolio into a mm-hmm. into a loan that right. you can exchange that NFT for crypto funds to do whatever you want with. And then, uh, and then you, I guess you manage how you, you pay that back right through a smart contract. Right. Right. That's interesting. Exactly. That's interesting. Yeah. And then the key thing is that we provide, um, the LTV, the loan to value ratio so that, um, people like they do not have to negotiate by themselves, but then we provide the optimal price and then optimal LTV so that they can have informed decision on that. What have you seen so far as, uh, I guess, what's the weirdest type of NFT that you've seen? Is it so far the collateralized NFT? Is it, I mean, what, what have you seen? I mean, um, these days, lots of interesting experiments are going on, like NFT mining or like, you know, similar to the yield mining from yeah, yeah, DeFi yeah. space. And then... There is also a scheme for um, staking. If, if you stake your NFT, you will get reward. And then, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of crazy stuff are going on. Um, NFTs are now meeting um, the DeFi space and they are being converged, I guess. Yeah. So, 100%. yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff are going on. That's why, uh, you know, people like, and then, you know, have you heard of NFT? Um, like NFT, NFTX or NFT? Oh, Niftex. I don't yeah. know. It's yeah, called Niftex. the fashion ownership thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's also very interesting. In real world, we have structured the finance for that, securitizing um, the illiquid um, assets to make it liquid so that you know, more people can get in. Sure. Um, that also makes sense. And that market would grow, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, do you, do you have any plans to. Mm-hmm maybe incorporate some of that into your platform or uh, i mean there's there two, two separate platforms you know operating different functions i guess niftex is the the asset segregator i guess turn them into individual uh, investment pieces right yeah mm-hmm. so i mean it, it sounds like you guys have like a huge list of future features in the works mm-hmm. uh, does it make sense to you maybe to I don't know, like a future partnership with them since, since your, your platform is all about managing kind of like your wealth and NFTs. Right. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I don't want, I don't want to like bait you into like, you know, yeah. saying something you're not trying to, you know, we don't want to say maybe this mm-hmm. early on. Cause you guys barely, you, you've re- recently launched, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like how, how long has your platform been out? Oh, uh, it's been a year. <laughs> oh, it's been a year? Yeah. We started um, last year, December, mm-hmm. and we did lots of, we tried lots of different prototypes. We, we tried it like five different prototypes and we got, you know, more than hundred feedback. And based on that, we narrowed down uh, the problem and we finally launched our official version of NFT bank um, a month ago. Mm. So then, then your yeah. process has kind of been like, cause that's how you guys contacted me you can't just like uh you're reaching out i guess to the the, the community at nft mm-hmm. collectors right and then you're, you're looking for feedback and right. see, see whether or not it's a platform they'd want to use right is that how right. you're gauging your your design pretty much right right because because you know we a customer is king we yeah. definitely need to bring value to 
the people who are using our platform. So the feedback is very important. Our team is feedback-driven team. <laughs> so mm -hmm. uh, we, we try to listen as much as possible from our, our, our user so mm -hmm. that we can come up with new features that they might use, they, they might appreciate um, in our platform. So yeah, we do lots of focus group interview and person-to-person -person, uh, interview, yeah. Can you uh, talk about what the business model is for nftbank.ai? Like, how do you generate revenue? So, um, for now, we do not have um, any um, monetization um, plan for that. Okay. We, we got funded by uh, well-known figures, um, Hashit. Hashit is very well-known investor in crypto space. Hashit also invested in X Infinity and the Sandbox, you know, lots of different apps. Sure. Wow. Um, yeah. And Hashit is also one of our investors. So we got funded and uh, yeah. And then, but, but later on, we definitely need money, uh, um, um, way to monetize this product. But then the basic version, the current basic version will not charge for that. But then for the more advanced feature, like, NFT trading later on, we might um, we may charge for the advanced uh, features. Oh, that's mm. awesome! Yeah, I mean, congratulations on the investment and and uh, one year operating the the business, man. I know how difficult that is. Uh, so yeah, congratulations! That's awesome. Yeah, we're almost we're almost at our one year mark ourselves. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> this is definitely not the easiest of space, you know, like to. Yeah. I mean, it's easy in the sense that there's tons of opportunity because it's such a new space. Like, mm -hmm. like you, what you're describing right now, it's like when something is so new, there's so many, so many holes that need to be filled. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So that there's so many, so much opportunity to create these products and you know to service you know the customer base, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, I, so, which is good. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just right, yeah. Right now, the community, the, the user base is kind of small, but it's growing more every day. You know, right. so it makes sense in the beginning. It's monetization is isn't like something achievable at this point, you know, because yeah. the market is so small. Yeah, right. But I guess from an investor standpoint, you have to be able to extrapolate. You know, once this space grows three, four, five years down the line, there's going to be so much opportunity, especially in your position, because data collection is like probably one of the most valuable yeah. resources in the tech space, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, as, as from what I've heard, everybody keeps saying data is the new oil. You yeah, know what I mean? it is. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is uh, interesting. Uh, talk uh, about. Um, I'm curious on the particular NFTs that uh, that you're seeing. Like, what so far out of the entire volume that you guys are sort of like aggregating into your yeah. platform? What's the percentage of the different types of NFTs? Is it mostly art? Is it mostly DeFi? I mean, which what percentage? Um, I guess, um, for now we've listed only 15 projects okay. and I guess four to five of them are, uh, metaverse related NFTs. And then three of them are crypto arts. And then the last would be, um, digital collectibles, like okay. CKA, MCH. Yeah. Out of the different types, what where's most of the value being uh, collected? Is it is it the art or is it? I mean, where's the the value at? Metaverse. Metaverse. The half of yeah, half of total market NFT total market cap 
is is captured by uh, metaverse NFTs. About half. Wow, that's yeah, that's an interesting data point. Yeah, it's a hundred million dollars worth. Holy, hundred million dollars. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Wow, that is pretty cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a hundred million in those NFTs, Iron Man. Can you believe that? You wouldn't assume that in today's climate, just because yeah, it wouldn't. seems like it seems like art is dominating currently. I guess they make the most noise, like in the in the you know in the zeitgeist. I guess the NFT zeitgeist. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but the metaverse kind of like has been around the longest. I guess since Decentraland it was a three year old project, and I think they acquired a lot of value in those mm. three years. So it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's just uh, so. Well, yeah, I guess a good question to ask you, since you're pretty much, you have to be so consumed by NFTs at this point that like, where do you expect this whole thing to go? Like uh, in the future, it, you know, I don't know how much time you spend thinking about the future. I don't know. So yeah. Well, kind of give us your your thoughts and opinion, I guess. Yeah. Have, <laughs> do you think we've seen like the actual final dominant use case for NFTs? Or do you mm-hmm. think there's like still more to come? Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a good question. Um. Mm, I can see the um, interesting future uh, from the com- like um, the, the convergence of DeFi mm. and yeah. NFT. Yeah, so I agree. Yeah, I mean, in in tradition, in real world, uh, we have lots of structured finance uh, based on um, you know the commodities or uh, real estate, right? We have lots of different. Um, financial products based above upon um, these existing uh, stable or it's not really stable but then uh, reasonably stable um, the assets underlying assets so same thing uh, comes here um, so based on like, nfts are usually more stable than erc20 tokens because mm-hmm. uh, people believe that there must be some value and utility uh, on the NFTs. That's why the yeah. price does not fluctuate as much as the ERC20. That's why it's good instrument for a structure of finance, I guess. Hmm. That's why uh, once NFT meets DeFi, then um, it's going to be a huge thing, I guess. But yeah. then... That, that's part of the reason... Be- I, I, would, I would imagine your explanation would make sense for the metaverse because it's a little bit more stable asset uh, mm-hmm. compared to an ERC20 token and uh, and then the like you're talking about the utility of the NFT is visual like you can go and stand on a decentralized piece of land you wouldn't be able to do that I mean it, it's not the same when looking at NFT art I mean you can look at it and then you just I mean it's not the same right it, there's a little mm-hmm. bit more tangible tangible aspect to to land uh, mm-hmm. which would feel like it's more valuable right yeah. and then on top yeah. of that you can build on top of the land so then there's like this this clear sense of value on on particular you know nft so i wanted to ask you I'm, so we're gonna definitely submit our nfts to your platform no question uh but yeah. the types of nfts we feel like are sort of brand new to the space and one that uh, i wanted to ask you about is we're working on NFTs that generate revenue, um, mm-hmm. and the individual NFTs that generate revenue are essentially deployed onto the central land, and then through you know some incentive mechanisms, they generate revenue for the landowner. So mm-hmm. I want to prepare your platform for for this new type of uh, NFT because yeah. we feel like 
the productive uh, versions of NFTs, the ones that generate value or generate revenue, are going to be the more dominant, valuable types of NFTs compared to everything else. Because like you were saying earlier, most of the NFTs out there, they depend on this uh, economic theory called the greater mm -hmm. fool theory. And you hold this piece of art because you bought it from someone else and you hope you hope that somebody else buys it off of from you. And yeah. that's the only way to kind of gauge the value of the NFT. Uh -huh. It's different when you're talking about an NFT that if you hold it and you do a little bit of marketing, it generates revenue for you. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I wanted I wanted to see, like, have you seen anything like that before or do you anticipate these things with your team? Like, how do you guys yeah. work through, you know, setting up for, for this type of stuff in terms of putting a value out there for that particular NFT? Oh, yeah, this is very interesting. Um, I definitely see, um, you know, that kind of trend is, is coming. Um, for example, League of Kingdoms, uh, which is one of our partner companies, um, they have a very interesting uh, token economy in their system. So, uh once you have a lens, uh, people can play on top of my lens and they have to pay a fee. Mm. And every day I got paid uh, by DAI rewards. Um, it's a passive income. Um, yeah. Yeah. And this kind of, you know, um, the, the token economy scheme would prevail later on. And we, you know, on our uh, on NFT bank, we'll definitely... We, we currently uh, keep track of that kind of rewards from oh, um, NFTs. Okay. Yeah. So do and the projects have to give you like API access or is it all right now just dominated by just looking at the blockchain for particular transactions like that? Oh, that's a good question. So for every um, data related thing, we try to go on chain first. On chain, so, okay. And then if we, if we cannot um, extract the info or data points we can um go we we, we go to the the depth sure. api sure. Um, but sure. then you know always we have we go first to the on-chain data but then mm. mostly the, these days uh the projects put their all of their uh, data they they try to put their data on on-chain sure. so we can because it's a more scalable way to extract data because yeah. if we use api uh, we cannot extract data from like two or three years ago, but then if it's, if everything's every data are on on chain, then can we can extract like several years of you know data. So that that poses. Uh, so I have a couple of questions based on what you're what you're saying. Is uh, what is the percentage of data tracking on chain versus off chain? Um. Uh, so uh, the reason why I ask is because I'm curious how much other projects leverage off-chain because of, uh, uh, say, for example, Ethereum, there's there's no gas fees. So yeah. so you could do a lot of gaming off-chain yeah. and then eventually, for a particular asset, put it on-chain. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm curious, how much of your data is actually off-chain versus on-chain for, for that reason? I think it's 70-30. It's 70 on-chain on and 30 oh, okay. uh, off-chain. Okay. So... You know, for metadata, um, it was it was hard for it was hard to um, store everything in on chain because because of the the you know the cost um, basis. But mm -hmm. then 
nowadays, like devs are trying to keep most of their data on on chain. That that I, I think that's a good trend. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So yeah. then the next question is, how much of your NFTs are Ethereum based NFTs compared to you know the different blockchain NFTs? Oh, so for now we only host uh, Ethereum um, mm, okay. NFTs. Yeah, but then. Um, um, next year, early next year, we will integrate Matic and Flow. Um, okay. and we are also planning to add Wax. Hmm. Okay, yeah. interesting. So is there? So I'm assuming Ethereum is is the biggest platform for NFTs at the moment. So I, I guess is there an interest from you guys of supporting all NFT types of platforms, um, like the different blockchains, or are you just going to stick with uh? Let's say the top, you know, three or three to five different blockchains for NFTs. I guess you know um, we we may have the maintenance issue later on mm. if we integrate lots of you know a block different blockchains. Then control like quality control would be a would be a thing later on. So uh, maybe for now we are just planning to uh, add three to four blockchains. Okay, but then. I don't know if once the blockchain spaces got mature, get mature later on, um, then we might consider adding more yeah. um, blockchains. But I mean, yeah, ultimately, we, like you were saying, uh, DeFi is mainly happening on Ethereum, uh-huh. and then the NFTs convergence of NFTs and, and DeFi is going to be, you know, obviously on Ethereum too. So it makes sense to stick with Ethereum because that's that's really yeah. where a lot of the innovation is happening. Right. Um, <clears throat> Now, going back to um, the the different NFTs that we were talking about earlier, have mm-hmm. you seen NFTs that are upgradable? Like, let's say you spend a lot of time on a particular game asset NFT, um, mm-hmm. and let's say that you can sort of understand that someone, a player, put a lot of time on this NFT and got it from level zero to 100. Is that also um, trackable on on NFT Bank? And mm-hmm. so so you, you're able to see all that information too? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's all on-chain data. So I wonder how mm-hmm. much of an upgradable NFT has an effect on the value compared to everything oh, else. Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's... Um, for upgradable um, NFTs, they do not put their data. They they do not put the updates on on chain. Yeah, right. They usually happen on off chain. Sure. Database. Sure. So we have to uh, pull data. Um, you know, daily or hourly. Sure. You know, that's why it's quite hard. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. For, for example, Xe, Xe, um, Xe NFTs. They um, gradually, like, they, they level up. Sometimes they level up and then their EXP increases time to time. Um, but then that, that, that kind of data um, definitely contribute to the rise in price that we have to keep track of all the updates of stats. Yeah, it's quite hard, but then- hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, some of the, some of, you know, NFT projects are, <laughs> having that kind of features yeah i can imagine they get crazy and it's really because there's like a double-edged sword with being on ethereum ethereum allows you access to the most uh degree of liquidity because you know everybody's using ethereum but also Mm -hmm. gives you the other edge of the sword of everything you do on chain as like a gas fee 
Yeah. And and then it, it doesn't yeah. make sense to pay gas fees if you're going from level one to two, right? Uh, to right. have everything on chain. So, but I, I'm curious, do those and types of NFTs, do they, do you notice a, a difference in value for those versus like art, for example? Those from art? Um, I don't know. We, for, for valuation, we do not often look at um, crypto arts yet. Okay. Because it's it's very hard. Like yeah. we, yeah. I mean, the inventor of the piece uh, matters a lot to valuation. But then, aside from that, aside from the creator, then uh, we do not much have uh, metadata. But of course, we can use the visual aspects of the arts. If we use like CNN kind of like deep learning model, we can definitely sure uh, see what patterns attract people <laughs> to that but sure, then sure, sure. Uh, that's not really uh reasonable i guess for now um it's very yeah. subjective to to do it that yeah. way because like a lot of artists uh, may come from like disney or they come from like established uh prestiged backgrounds and uh you know they come out with a piece of art and all of a sudden it goes for a hundred thousand and mm. it's it's still it's it's hard to believe that that piece might be worth a hundred thousand even though somebody might you know, paid for it. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so I basically told, go ahead. I mean, in order to come to these like valuation conclusions, you need more data, obviously. Yeah. And the, the problem is with a lot of these super expensive pieces is there's only one in existence and there's right. not much, there's not much transaction going on. They just, yeah, it is what it is at the current time. Right. But then, yeah. So, but then, but then how we approach uh, for now is that, you know, uh, for usual, you know, in, in traditional world, like uh, people value um, arts uh, through several stats. For example, what's the how how like uh, how often this art has been uh, displayed on prestigious museum or um, you know the, the like um, galleries, mm-hmm. and then uh, how famous or how famous the artist is. You know. They, they use all kinds of measures. But then for now, there are not many, um, th- there, are, there are no virtual museums or galleries yet. Maybe CryptoVoxel be, can, can be uh, one of them. Mm-hmm. But then uh, we, we don't know how to um, extract the stats, um, like how, how often or how many times this art has been deployed to mm-hmm. the gallery we don't have that kind of data but then once we get the data that we, we can yeah. somehow use the uh, old way of you know the valuing method that's that's an incredibly important message it is. to the to the builder community of the metaverse meaning like i mean what you're saying is in order for the art like valuations to kind of like mature better we need more metaverse building for gallery displays of this art i guess right so, yeah if, if we're trying to emulate the traditional world, right? Bring it to the virtual world. I mean, we have the platform in existence to build these galleries. And I think there are a couple, I think Somnium has one. I think they bought like that, that Bitcoin bull thing for like 60, 70,000. So it's on display in their museum. So I think some of these like, you know, wealthy gallery owners, they understand that maybe, I don't know, maybe they just want to flex that they have a lot of money. Yeah. So they just buy yeah. the art. I don't know. But this is, I never, I didn't know that what you just told me. So me and Will kind of have like a, <laughs> I don't know, like a, a love-hate relationship with art. 
in a way, mostly because maybe we were just we're we're a couple of broke guys. We can't afford. <laughs> we can't. We can't. Like it doesn't register with us because we don't have all this money to be buying art, right? But yeah. but it, it seems to be like the prevalent. I don't know. Like uh, you, interest. You know what? Community. What I think yeah. it is is there's such a flood of art out there that you go to any NFT uh, uh, marketplace. You see art all the time, and it's just because it's yeah. the low barrier to entry. Um, right, right. And I think that's why it, there's like this uh, cognitive dissonance when you're going to NFTs, you automatically think of art just because there's so much of it. But I right. think there's a uh, developing kind of layer into NFTs that are, are actually going to be like something tangible, some something with utility, and uh, and I think that's where a lot of the value is going to be concentrated um, compared to, you know, the, the volume of NFTs are, that are out there. So I think that's that's why we have like that perspective, because we're not making art and um, and we just find it hard, like like you're saying, from a technical level, we find it hard to gauge the value of art pieces just because there's no data to it. It's just right. a PNG or a GIF. It gets mm-hmm. sold once or twice, and that's that's about as much data as you can extract from it. Mm-hmm. So um, I wonder, um, I, I think the next phase of NFTs is what you're saying, Daniel, is going to be more closer to combining DeFi and NFTs. I, I just don't know. I haven't seen like a proper use case yet other than like collateralizing a certain wallet of value. Um, but I think it, NFTs is going to play a huge role in like the incentive mechanism of liquidity mining. Just mm-hmm. like uh, we've seen some examples. I think Meme does this, uh, yeah, the yeah. Meme token. Um, but the other thing that we're seeing as well is I, I think NFT projects are all going to be associated with ERC-20 tokens as a, as a platform. So do you guys plan on issuing an ERC-20 token at some point for NFT Bank? And I know you Not guys talk sure. about it. Everybody talks about this. Every business owner in the crypto space is talking about it. Uh, yeah, but um, for now, we don't have plan for issuing tokens because, um, you know, unless uh, issuing token really helps our platform in sure. fundamental way, we are not pursuing, um, you know, issuing tokens because it might, um, you know, the, like, I don't know, like it's not really um, essential for our yeah. platform. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, a, lo- a, lo- a lot of platforms, they like to use the governance excuse, right? When it comes to minting tokens and yeah, excuse. I, 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 yeah, but it, it, it's a cloudy subject because in, in your case, if you have a, like a decentralized governance model, how the hell does the community do what you guys are doing? You know, like yeah. you need a very specialized knowledge base in order to operate like mm-hmm. this platform. Mm-hmm. So to so to decentralize that, it sounds like a like a, a nice beautiful goal. You know, mm-hmm. you know, minting these tokens to distribute that that the allocation of I don't know effort within the platform, but, but I, I, I don't know. It's just the, the governance question is always. Yeah, I guess because like nobody's really pulled it off exactly. like to the scale that I envision it. Exactly. You know, to be. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess so. Like your answer is is satisfying in the sense that you said that you don't really have a reason to tokenize yet. You know, maybe 
if if a reason ever comes up, you know, that mm-hmm. you can think of. I think it's ultimately yeah. to incentivize your community um, yeah. and to 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 push. Let's say uh, like projects to come and 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 connect with you guys to deploy their NFTs on your platform. Um, I mean, that could be a reason, sure. but the, but the main point to think about an ERC 20 is what we're seeing. Uh, Cause we do a, a bunch of research on, on all these platforms is one of the main ways that NFT platforms monetize is solely through the ERC 20 token. Um, so the, the value that you guys are bringing is, is clear and it's, it's, it's obvious uh, but it's not so obvious, you know, how you would generate, you know, money. How, how do you, how do you sustain this? Right. And so a lot of projects have this problem. So then they introduce the ERC 20 token, which a lot of times makes sense when it doesn't make sense. It's when projects force an ERC 20 token and call it a governance token. And we know that there's no reason to, to have a governance token on that project. And so that's when it's a problem. But I think it makes sense for you guys to to do it. I know you guys probably talk about it on on a weekly basis, if not more often. But uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate in implementing it. And I know it looks, you know, like everybody has an ERC twenty token. I mean, uh, it, it kind of looks like it's not the best idea. But I think from a business standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, maybe not because you guys. Yeah, the thing I really love about your platform is it's like it's ubiquitous, ubiquity. That's the word, right? It, yeah. It's a platform that has such a broad reach, you know, meaning like everyone can use it. I, I correlate it to like a like a like a coin gecko, like a coin market yeah. cap type service, yeah. you know. Yeah. And everyone who's interested in this space at some point in time is probably going to interact with your platform. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, for sure. So you have you definitely have like traffic to your advantage you yeah. know what i mean and there's definitely there's like a, a lot of ways yeah. to monetize that you know what i mean yeah that's so a good you, that's a good point yeah so a lot of projects are a lot more niche you know they're focused on like maybe like an individual product or service or offering so they got to come up with this grandiose scheme of how to like you know it's uh you know tokenize things and, you know game theory i don't know how to sum yeah. it up but i think you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I think you're building like a super valuable platform that can kind of like exist on its own. You know what I mean? And produce a lot of value, not just for yourselves, but for all your users. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I wonder, right. Daniel, if, um, have you come across enough data, um, kind of like in the, in the history of the, the year that you've been operating where mm-hmm. you can kind of give recommendations to projects that are working on NFTs. Like, mm-hmm. can you give recommendations on like where they should spend most of their efforts in like, um, in, in what brings the most value to a given NFT? Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's hard question. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think. Mm. Um, from my perspective, from, from my, my own perspective as, as data guy, um, data transparency matters a lot because mm. uh, if you um, if your data is very transparent and they're very accessible, of course there there will be lot there there can be lots of third party uh, analytics platform that can really um, you know show your data like munging like clean your data and then uh, show it to users you know. Cleanly sure. organized sense. way, right? That sense. can also bring popularity of um, NFT projects. So, for example, So Rare and X Infinity, uh, they do have um, lots of third-party um, analytics platforms, um, you know. And then that's why 
um, new market really can appear. For example, the fantasy sports kind of you know stuff. Mm. It's all based on data. So I guess the API center uh, matters a lot. If you if you can if you can afford it, of course why 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 don't you go and write a clean API docs and then a robust data pipeline to so that you know the other third parties can easily extract data from your API. Um, yeah, that for me, I think that matters a lot. See, that's interesting because the if you're building an NFT platform, um, kind of like we are, and uh, and then you as a developer, you want to focus on what brings the most value to your users. You have to think about like what you guys are doing in the, in that in that context, so that we maximize the value potential of this particular NFT. Right. And um, and and this is so the hierarchy that I'm I'm envisioning in my head is. Transparency in data, whether it's APIs or on-chain, well, obviously on-chain is transparent, but then yeah. if you can put it all on-chain, you're recommending that to do it on-chain, right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. And uh, so what I'm thinking about now is a lot of the NFTs that we have are, are the, one, the ones that are you know extremely successful are the ones that generate revenue. And yeah. um, but part of that is you know, how many people actually come in contact with this particular asset, right? Mm -hmm. And how many people are come in contact and then stay for several hours? And then how many hours do people stay? So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is there going to be that granular level of details for a particular NFT so that when someone comes and looks at my game NFT, right, this game mm -hmm. asset that's deployable in Decentraland, they can see, oh, this game, there's only 25 of them to exist and to ever exist because there's it's one of 25. And then on top of that, it has, you know, 100 daily active users and that's generating, let's say, 5,000 mana per month. Mm -hmm. um, it is is that information potentially viewable on your platform, like that granular um, information? Oh, uh, not for now, but uh, we are definitely, we are very interested in getting that kind of data and okay. host it on our platform. Perfect, perfect. That fundamentals are uh, so important. Oh yeah. We have, on our NFT bank, we have indicator charts for yes. every DAP project. So once you go there, you can see um, lots of indicators showing the fundamentals of the, 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 the DAP that you're interested in. Sure. For example, how many long-term investors are there and how, yes. what put, what proportion of users are just short-term flippers because this uh, composition matters a lot because if you have long-term believer uh, in the platform of course the ecosystem would grow gradually and in a healthy way but if there are so many flippers they just yeah. you know there for a short-term um, interest then you know later on the, the, the price of the NFT assets are fluctuating a lot and then um eventually it might collapse at some point hmm. so yeah we definitely try to gather as much as that kind of fundamental and the the, the econ economic indicators data points into our platform that's awesome that's that's really huge for us daniel because uh, a lot of the stuff that we do has to, there's, there's a lot of information that we can extract. I mean, a lot of it. And I think every piece of information that we extract from the interactions that people have with our NFTs 
is what brings it value and is right, right. is the reason why people are going to want to buy it and deploy it in in the metaverse right. and and then without this without this ability to show that data like in an independent way where it's you don't have to necessarily come to our website to see what's happening you can go to nft bank and and independently verify, yeah, there's, you know, uh, thousands of users per month on this particular NFT and is generating this much money. I mean, that is huge for developers like us. And I'm sure there's a lot of people, a lot of developers like us wanting that same level of fidelity and transparency so that it brings the most value. So, right, right. yeah, I think what you guys are doing is is fantastic. And uh, we're, we can't wait to put our stuff on there just to to even work together on like creating that uh, level of degree of detail that some mm-hmm. NFTs require in order to gain that, that value and traction. Yeah, yeah. that would be awesome. Really? Yeah. yeah. We talk about this a lot. Like, uh, uh, like we try to talk about it without sounding, sounding, I don't know, like uh, egotistical in a way, but we're really trying to push like the, the space to more like, yeah, producing these, these productive assets is how we like to call them the productive versus the non-productive assets so far we haven't seen much production out of nfts yeah and and that's really what we're trying to kickstart you know with our metas and stuff like that so yeah uh, for sure uh we're probably gonna (laughs) be contacting you in the future yeah you know outside of this you know have some more discussions because I, i i like everything i'm hearing yeah and this it's one of the first things i told will is like whenever i started investigating nft bank i was like i i i could see this becoming something like essential to everybody who owns a meta in the future you know yeah. like whether it's something we need to display or something that your platform manages and then it's all interconnected to our users somehow one way or another mm-hmm. like we need to figure that out basically yeah. how, how to how our nft owners can have the confidence especially if you're a prospective yeah. buyer of these metas you need this data. You need this information to be like a confident buyer in the space. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the, that's the first thing you said during this this discussion, which I think is m- most important to me. Because yeah, I'm in the NFT space, and I'll be honest, I don't own many NFTs. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what's hilarious because I'm exactly the guy you described at the start of this talk. Like I, I'm scared. I'm going to be the guy who buys it, and nobody else wants <laughs> yeah, yeah. to buy it from me. You know. So I, I love what you're doing, also, and yeah. Can't wait to, you know, do more work with you in the future. So, so Daniel, do you, uh, do you guys often work with like, um, uh, developers that are part of the projects to kind of help like customize some of the data that you put on your, on your platform? Oh yeah. We got requests from developers and NFT projects yes. for customizable or uh, specific data points that they, they want to show off. Uh, we will definitely, um, yeah, accommodate that later on. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, Daniel, thank you for joining us. It's been, um, a little about an hour so far. Um, so I want to thank you for, for joining us and let's, uh, let's keep a dialogue open because I think what you guys are doing is, is fantastic. And we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we, we contribute to what you guys are doing. And, mm-hmm. and hopefully, you know, this really blows up in the next, you know, year or two, because we feel like there's going to be a huge wave in NFTs in the next 12 to 24 months. And, uh, and, you know, hopefully, you know, we can collaborate on, on, you know, contributing to your platform with our stuff and, and then we can just kind of collaborate on everything that we were working on. Yeah, for sure. Great. That would be great. Awesome. All right, Daniel, we'll talk soon okay. and uh, we'll see everybody next week. Yeah. Follow hey. us on Twitter.
Yeah. yeah. And you can follow. Yeah, absolutely. All their all the uh, contact information for Daniel will be in the description. So thank you guys, and we'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Later. Thank you for listening to the Blockrunner podcast. Make sure you visit our website, theblockrunner.com, and sign up to stay up to date on the latest in crypto. Also, reach out to us on Twitter at TheBlockRunner.